listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk. The ability to pass through the countryside with relative ease, but at the same time be part of it, take in the views and get fit in the process is all contained within the heading of cycle touring. Not a new way to get around or even a new way to take a break, but one which perhaps is gaining interest these days as we become more aware of our carbon footprint and consider possible holiday alternatives. But where do you start and whose advice should you seek? John Sparks is author of The Lancashire Cycleway and he is an experienced cycle tourer, writing this book for those who want an easy but stimulating riding route within the flat expanses of Lancashire. A great introduction to the area and the simplicity of cycle touring as a mode of travel. Cycle touring covers a pretty wide range of experiences. Some of them can be quite extreme, but it also can be a very gentle way of travelling. Uh, it's obviously attractive because it's low impact on the environment. Um, and that's not just about feeling virtuous, it's about connecting more to the environment you're travelling through. Um, it's, it's a, to me, it's a wonderful way to travel because you obviously can cover more ground than when walking, see more changes in the landscape and so on. But it's still, you're travelling at a pace which enables you to smell the flowers and um, see wildlife as you pass and all sorts of things which you normally don't get when you're insulated in a car or a train or whatever. So to me, it's one of the great ways to travel. Mm. I mean, certainly the, the, this day and age, the, the, everybody's concerned about their, their, um, their carbon footprint mm. and so on. And the appeal of cycling, I'm sure, is, is growing greatly. But most people, perhaps, that use a bike occasionally, that might think it's a, it's a good way to, to have a break or have a holiday, um, it might be quite a big step for them to, to sort of stop cycling to work, should we say, or cycling socially and actually go on holiday on a, on a bike. Is there, is there a big step to make, do you think? Well, it can be, but one of the secrets, I think, is is not to try and step up too far too soon. Um, so advice would be to go on, start with a fairly short tour. Don't put all your eggs in one basket straight away. Go for a week or even a long weekend. Um, maybe don't travel to the side of the world first time, but do something in this country because there are many wonderful places in this country to go cycle touring. Um, if you're used to riding... 20 miles a day you can do a very good tour and keep your daily distances within that kind of range maybe increase it gradually as you get fitter um, and the other thing is really important keep your luggage requirements to a minimum so when you start cycle touring um, probably most people would not want to start by lugging tents and sleeping bags and so on so it's a very good a good way to get into it is to go using bed and breakfast or that kind of accommodation so you can you can keep your luggage requirements down to a minimum of course there are some companies who will carry all your baggage for you anyway on cycle tours and that's a very good way to start but if you want to do something off your own bat it's no problem you can use bed and breakfast you only need to carry a couple of changes of clothes a toothbrush and a credit card really Mm-hmm. So uh, presumably, although cycle touring has has a, a a title, even cycle touring, and there's magazines now that that, that cover the subject, um, you you don't specifically need special equipment for it. I mean, your normal push bike and your normal cycling clothing and uh, and so on is is pretty well as much as you need, I presume. I think so. Certainly, to, if you're starting on the, the sort of fairly gentle basis that we've just talked about, then then yes, the, there's no need to rush out and invest 
1500 quid on a brand new touring bike as long as the, the one you've got is is comfortable is set up right for you and is properly serviced and reliable make sure your tires aren't bald and so on before you set off new brake blocks that kind of thing but if a bike's in regular use and uh running reliably for for an easy tour it, it should be fine Mm, it'll do the job, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and, and th- the fact is, of course, people will be more comfortable on a bike they're used to than suddenly setting off on something that is unfamiliar. Completely alien to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, what uh, The other thing I think probably people would be concerned about would be their, their actual fitness level. You said there about uh, if you're used to cycling 20 miles a, or a time or a day, or a time, I suppose. Um, uh, I suppose with, with cycle touring generally, there's no rule that you have to do a massive distance anyway, is there? No. No, not at all. Um, and of course, if you're interested not just in packing in the miles, but also in seeing the places along the way, then you'll probably stop quite frequently to look around uh, historic sites or um, stop and admire the view, go to the pub even, um, although probably not a good idea to get too heavily into pub sessions in the middle of the day. Uh, but obviously, if you're keeping the mileage low, then you're not going to be riding all day it naturally ties in with doing other things along the way as well. Um, and the only the only really uh, significant thing you have to remember if you're doing that is you probably need to take a very good lock. Mm. Mm. Yes, yeah, was this day yeah. and age, sadly, so Unfortunate, but true. but true, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah indeed. Okay. Um, so you're the author of the, the Lancashire, Way, Lancashire Cycleway book, um, which is a, the comprehensive guide to the, the Lancashire route. Now, now, tell me about this, because you, you were saying a few moments ago that it's, it's a nice route for somebody who wants to dip their toes into, into cycle touring. Yes, there are, there are a number of reasons why um, it's a good one for people to start with. Um, the distances between, the, between possible stopping places, the distances are always reasonable. There are no massive stages that you have to do in one go um lots of variety of accommodation to choose from youth hostels bed and breakfast camping barns all sorts of different um options um it's very accessible by public transport which not only can you get to the start of a a loop by that but also you can break the route into sections if if you're um if you're very nervous about it it's nice to know that you have options for bailing out if things go wrong um and also, we should mention it's 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 a good route. It's it's probably going to surprise a lot of people how good a route it is for cycling, how um, scenically diverse Lancashire is. And well, tell us some of the places that you actually it actually goes through. Well, the, the route um, we'll just sort of sketch the the basics of the route because mm. it's it's really a kind of figure of eight, a bit squashed, sort of squashed figure of eight. There are two loops which meet at Worley in the Ribble Valley, and the Ribble Valley is a l- wonderful part of the world. Um, they're very fond of repeating the story that the Queen once said she'd like to retire there. Now, um, which apparently is true, it's never been challenged. Um, and you, it, it, a lot of it is, is a kind of classic English landscape of small fields and hedgerows and um, stone villages and so on. And it is very, very attractive. Um, but you get, from there, you get a variety of uh, high moorland. Uh, and also in the west of the county, you get sort of very um, open, flat country. Um, you go through some fine historic towns like uh, Clitheroe and uh, also Lancaster. Um, lots, lots and lots of variety along the way. So within either of those loops, you get you you won't get bored seeing the same scenery day after day, or even hour after hour. It changes all the time. Mm. 
Okay. Uh, and it's, it's time-wise to do something like this, is it, um, does it absorb an awful lot of time? Well, the other advantage of the Lancashire Cycleway is, of course, because it's this figure of eight shape, you break it down into two loops, uh, the northern and southern loops, um, each of which is roughly 130 miles. Um, some people would do that in a day. Some regular, a lot of regular cycle tourists might do it over a couple of days. But for people who are inexperienced, it's possible to, to break that down into five or six days so it fits easily into a week's holiday. Um, and there are plenty of public transport options if you need to bail out at some point as well. Um, so so it, it, in all sorts of ways, it's ideal for the person who's making a tentative start, perhaps, in cycle touring. Mm. And I presume it, it's a well-known route that they would meet uh, other people perhaps doing the same route as well? Is, it, mm. is, it, is, that, is that well known? It's, it's not kind of streams of people doing it the whole time, but the, mm. I think along the way you will meet you will meet other cyclists and there are some well-known sort of cyclists haunt because cyclists are very, very good at sniffing out good cafes and, and pubs to a lesser extent because you tend not to drink masses of alcohol in the middle of the day when you're riding... Uh, significant distances, but the great cafes are, are kind of uh, usually a magnet for the cyclists. Oh, great. Well, we'll come back to the sort of the, the cafes in, in a while. But what I do want to ask you is: is it's a lovely book. I mean, it's, it's not a it's not a thin book, but it's 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 a very encouraging book um, as regards the content of it. it you, when you actually approach doing a guidebook, tell me about how you 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 want to capture the um, the ethos of the area or the trip or the route that you're taking and so on, and and what you try and put into it. Any guidebook will sort of tell you where the route goes, and in a way that's almost taken for granted. And of course, there are on a thing like the Lancashire Cycleway, there are signs and there are maps as well. So what I think the guidebook needs to do is. First of all, give people a sense of why they want to do it. So you want some inspiration in there, um, some evocation of what sort of thing you're going to see along the way. And then for people who take the guidebook along when they're actually doing the route, you want to enhance the experience and explain a bit about what you're seeing and um, perhaps point out things that people might otherwise miss that um, mean an unremarkable bit of hillside that actually has ancient field patterns on it or something. Hmm. So um, to me, it's it's kind of the the thing that sets a good guidebook apart from an average guidebook is first of all that inspiration element and then that um, enhancing the experience mm. i mean the, the route as you say if you attacked it wouldn't take that long to mm. do but how long does it take to actually sort of compile a book like this and, and dig up all those useful stories and interesting stories about places and uh, yes well when you're actually way. writing a book like this the the time you spend on the route is probably um a fairly small fraction of the total time that you spend in writing it. You know, you you obviously, to me, to some extent, I already I knew the I live in Lancashire anyway. I knew the area quite well, so to some extent, I'd done some of that background work. But you you have to go and check things, and mm. you have to um, make sure you know where all the bike shops in the area are. So if people need help, need repairs, they know where to go. You need to um, check the locations of. of accommodation I and mean, we don't list because there is so much accommodation available along this route we don't list every single place that you can go but certainly indicate say that a certain village has the last pub or bed and breakfast for 20 miles <laughs> you know, which, which is the sort <laughs> of thing vital, people very much need to know yeah 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 is it is it something that would be suitable for uh, all ages i think you probably wouldn't take the very young children on on this it, people who cycle with children regularly will know what what their children are capable of or 
you know, or if you're capable of pulling a small child in a trailer up a substantial climb, that sort of thing. Um, I would I would suggest for people who haven't cycled with children before, probably not starting on something like the Lancashire Cycle Way with anyone younger than 10 or 11. You know, not saying you can't do it with children younger than that, but you probably want to be sure that they're reasonably happy doing day rides first mm. over um, 20, 25, 30 miles, whatever distance you feel suitable. Mm, I mean, you were saying about um, there's facilities in case you need to bail out. What mm. sort of time of year is, is a good time of year to approach it and get the most from it, do you think? Well, to me, I would think you can. It, it's perfectly feasible to do it all year round, obviously, as long as there's not deep snow or something, which is increasingly unlikely. Um, but you do have to bear in mind there's a couple of places where you get quite high up on um, the, the moors of the Pennines and uh, Forest of Boland. Uh, so you are quite exposed to bad weather. So probably the depths of winter is not the ideal time. I would possibly avoid the height of summer because there's more traffic on the roads and some of the accommodation gets booked up. So for people who've got the freedom to go pick the time, pick and choose the time, then definitely the spring and autumn would be would be favoured. And to me, it's at its most beautiful in the autumn. And the accommodation still open, of course. The, and, and most of the accommodation, affordable. most of the accommodation would be open all year. It's not not an area where things shut down for the winter. Mm. Uh, the, the, the book, obviously, each section, as you say, each uh, stage has got uh, a profile, a height profile of the of the route and so on. W what's the? Is, is there any particular day which is or, or area which is the hardest part, as it were, to um, to tackle? Probably, um, overall, the hardest is the section on the northern loop when you cross the Boland Fells and you go to a height of about um, four hundred meters. Um, and there's a, the, between the villages of the last sort of accommodation on the north side of that would be in Ray and then you've got to get over the hills to Sladeburn it's not a vast distance but there's a, the big climb and then there's a secondary climb after that um, and my I have, I have vivid memories of doing the, particularly the big climb of Cross Agreet and it goes on for a long way fairly steadily and then gets steep right at the end, right. which is a cruel way for it to do. Um, cruel way for it to sort of conduct itself, but that's what it does if you're going north to south. And, of course, this uh, once again sort of reminds people that not to take too much stuff with them because presumably you, uh, mm. you can attract the no, wind somewhat. I mean, yeah, no, keep, keep the uh, baggage down to a minimum because it, it, it catches the wind and, of course, the weight is also a, an issue. Uh, and the other thing is... One thing that you if you're used to cycling in, in maybe in flatter country, you may not have the range of gears that you'd really like for the big climbs like that. And obviously, people can get off and push, but that's a lot less satisfying and not so much fun. So it's it's to be avoided if you can. Mm -hmm. So uh, the thing that perhaps we should have said people should look at before embarking on it is the range of gears they've got on the bike, which often quite often that can be changed without changing the whole bike. You can you can replace um, the freewheel and so on, to, freewheel cassette to to get a wider range of gears. Mm. So it's not necessarily a case of going out and spending vast amounts of money on a new bike. Just go into a bike shop and ask about it. But presumably, say modern day bikes, bikes in the last sort of five or ten years would be have enough gears. Typically, most, yes, most, most yes. I mean, it, most of the bikes that people would 
be using regularly the mountain bikes and hybrids and so on would, mm. would certainly have a reasonable range of gears. Mm. Now you talked about um, the, the the jewels in the crown. Uh, we hinted on it anyway. The the, the coffee houses and the, the tea rooms and so on. Mm. So uh, you know, in this lovely figure of eight that we've got here, and I soon notice it comes down Morecambe Bay as well. So the yeah. views must be magnificent. Um, you know, where, where tell me some of the um, the cherry spots. Well, you've just mentioned Morecambe Bay. Um, what's really rather nice is the way you doing the loop as I recommend doing it clockwise, you come across the, the very flat part of the file in Lancashire, and then you, you get into the first gentle climbs after that, and then you start getting the views across Morecambe Bay to the Lake District. And, and I really hope people get a clear day for, for that section of the ride because you, you know, they are stunning views, and you're, you're more or less going straight towards it. Um, and then eventually you turn away and go over some different hills. You don't go into the Lake District, obviously. So it's nice to tackle that presumably first thing in the morning then. Well, yeah, that would that would definitely be a good time for it. Yeah. And what about um, what about um, coffee spots? Then you're keeping very quiet on this uh, this one. Well, I've been kind of thinking in the back of my mind about is it fair to pick out one particular one in place? Particular, well, but, these things change, um, of course. But, they um, certainly do. Yes, um, and they they do change. Um, I suppose one place that I would say is very attractive, which is. Um, Actually, not bang on the route, but very close, is in Silverdale, um, virtually the most northerly point of the route. Um, and there's there's a very good coffee house at Wolf House Gallery there, which is is worth visiting. And also, you can take a very short detour there, which takes you right down to the shores of Morecambe Bay. Oh, nice. Mm. Oh, nice. And it, and when you actually finish the the circuit as you've described it, is there uh, anywhere to to celebrate as such a sort of uh Something you could have a big slap-up smorgasbord treat for yourself, do you think? Yes, well, obviously, people's, people may start in different places. The, the kind of official starting point, which is where the two loops meet, is Worley in the Ribble Valley. Mm. And there's certainly some, some good uh, sort of gastro pubs there. But for a lot of people, particularly for people who are just doing the Northern Loop, and I think the Northern Loop has the edge. They're both good, but I think the Northern Loop has the edge overall. A lot of people are actually recommended to start that in Lancaster, um, and if you start in Lancaster and you finish in Lancaster, there's there's any number of places to go for a um, a few celebration pints or yeah. a really good meal. There, it's it's, it's um, it would be a shame to pick just one, but believe me, there's there's a, an amazing choice in in Lancaster. Yes, well catered for it. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Uh, and I, I suppose the other thing, just finally to to conclude on, is presumably um, a lot of people might consider. Uh, using the train to get their bikes to the starting point. I, I take it that it's uh, fairly good access to all the main routes there? Yes, it's actually very well provided because the West Coast Main Line comes right through, so there are several points uh, close to the cycle where you can access the Southern Loop from Wigan. You can access the Northern Loop very easily from Lancaster. Um, there's a very short linking passage, but it's only a few miles and it's virtually all on off-road cycle paths. Um, but there are also branch lines that run through the Loon Valley, the Ribble Valley, and uh, in the Pennines, which give lots more options, and it means people can even break it up into smaller stages if they s want to do it the easy way. Mm. That, that was something I picked up in the back of the book here. You, you've um, actually you've got it in stages to to uh, make the most of the route, but you've also, for those people that perhaps live locally or live mm. near to the area, uh, they're able to actually do day circular routes, which I think is a lovely touch in a, in a guidebook. Yeah, I'm glad you like that because um, 
it does seem like a fairly simple way of, of adding a bit of value. And I suppose for people who live locally, it's not only a way of doing the route in pieces, but also it's a way of um, adding in some other excellent routes because uh, the Lancashire Cycleway is not the be-all and end-all of cycling in Lancashire. There's a lot of other great roads there as well. But it's a lovely lovely introduction to the area. Great introduction, and if you don't know Lancashire, then it's 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 really guaranteed to surprise you. I was talking with the author, John Sparks, and of course this book, which is the first comprehensive guide to the Lancashire Cycleway, gives guidance on how to manage this, as well as a full description of the route, notes on where to find meals and accommodation and so on. Plus, there's masses of information about places of interest along the way. And most importantly, there's also some very helpful advice on those new to cycling or cycle touring. Certainly, the Lancashire Cycleway seems to contain all the key elements for an active break with plenty of reward. It is, of course, available direct from the Cicerone website and all good outdoor book retailers. This sponsored programme is produced and hosted by theoutdoorstation.co.uk.